This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. The Westwood One Podcast Network. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello there, Team Never Quit Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. My name's Andrew. Joined today by Marcus and Morgan. What's up, guys? What's Howdy. happening? What's going on? We're excited to have Denise Sanders on today's show. Denise is a cancer survivor, former Air Force medic, and an Army Apache pilot, but she's family, right? Yes, yeah. sir. Cousin. That's pretty cool. So I can't wait to get to that, but before we get into that awesome interview, Patreon question of the day, Mike asks, who can handle the most spicy food? Marcus or Morgan, and what kind of spicy food is your favorite? So I can't eat spicy food. I, I if give, I if give I get me some, hiccups, I yeah. If I get something too, and immediately as soon as it goes in there, I I get the hiccups like you can't believe. And most people are like yeah, you know I get the hiccups. No no no. I'm you know, talking people don't understand what kind of hiccups days. You get them too. And I oh yeah, I, I literally have to bend over sometimes and hit myself in the diaphragm get diaphragmic seizures in the middle it's not like a it's not like a hiccup I mean, it's, it's like horrible. a it's I'll like nine at a time yeah well, make you make you vomit i'll start hiccuping to where i run out of breath and there's nothing there's no noise coming my mouth shut. It's like, it's just like, yeah and i mean i'll be laying down in bed in the middle of the night and be like oh, God. <laughs> and melanie's just probably losing her mind i'm not gonna sleep in a different room it's hilarious oh my gosh so do you eat spicy foods at all morgan or is i the can same go thing about happen? as far as a jalapeno man that's it have every now and we'll go eat some, cake, yeah. some hot sauce or some. What about when y'all do crawfish? Because crawfish is considered so kind of no, spicy, right? Well, that's that's hot, no, but no. not considered. It's, you don't think that's it's, spicy? It's, we don't. Well, I don't do it that the way we. So I consider spicy like salts and tangs and hot and hot like 
I guess the question was spicy. Yeah. Yeah, well. Because crawfish, I think, can be pretty. Oh, yeah. I mean, we fire it up where your lips are numb. Nah, yeah. not that far anymore. It's a. You don't feel the same way whenever you do that kind of heat, though? No hiccups no. when you eat crawfish? No, no, no. no. That's Because it's not. Is it, it has to do with a season or a pepper. It might be like, okay, so like a pepper would be like a better example of the type yeah, of like heat. Yeah, like we can't, I can't eat. If I tried to eat a California Reaper, it'd probably kill me. So no uh, hot ones for you. You know. <laughs> not hot wings, anything like None that. that. I love hot food, like spicy food, and my my mouth can handle the heat, but I profusely sweat. sweat. Have you ever seen Long Came Polly? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, he's the restaurant. That Indian food? Yeah. Are you okay? Are you okay? You're sweating profusely. Yeah. It is bad when yeah, I sweat. Like, like I try not to eat crawfish in public just because I know, like, I'm going to go through a roll of paper towels. I prefer to eat crawfish at home. That might be the only, like, spicy. I think that's the only thing I can get a hold of, too. So that's probably your favorite spicy food, then, would be crawfish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because yeah, yeah, sure. crawfish is yeah. pretty Especially after good. we learned how to cook it. Learned, learned how to cook it last summer, which is... This old boy stuff. showed up. And, you know, the thing oh. with crawfish cookies, we, you got Cajun family over there. Were you out here for that? About I was. Okay. You were here for that, right? Yeah, I was. That, came that out guy and was that. good. Yeah, young guy? Yeah. We're like, hey, man, hi. You know, we're all standing around like, hey, how are you going to make sure you do it? He's like, no, I got I got a thing. We're like, mm-hmm. I ran into it. They call it a clean water boil. Yeah, Mojo was standing there, and he, he's like, I can't. Because you questioned it, it at first, right? I was. Because he was dumping the bugs. I was like, hey, hey, hang on, man. You better spice that shit up. <laughs> he's like, here you go. He's like, trust me. And in a cage voice, he's like, trust me. But he's younger. Yeah. He's y- exactly. He's a young kid. He's like, just trust me. And he dumped all them bugs in that clean water. And as soon as it came back up to a bowl, he dumped them in the cooler and dumped all the spices on top of it. Shut the cooler for 15 minutes. Best bugs you ever put in your mouth. Yeah, because it was, was a holiday or something, and I don't know why we weren't cooking. I think kind of Melly just did that so we didn't have to. We could just hang yeah, out. Yeah, it was a holiday. Everybody was kind of just, I can't remember what day that was, Memorial uh, no. Day or something, but it was. <laughs> He's they, like, no, nah, I got this. Like, I, so the, the, I already cooked a batch this this season, cup, cup, about a month ago, I guess, and I did that clean water boil, and it came out dynamite. Nice. Dynamite. Yeah, good job, kid. Dolomite. I already had my first round for the season. They were good. They're still a little small, but. I was not too bad. Plus for the yeah, like the amateurs doing it, the crawfish season when first rolls in, they put up. Yeah, they try to come out too early. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't have a cold winter, so it, it, they 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 didn't they grew real well. So we, yeah, yeah good season. All right, well, thank you so much for your question, Mike. Now you know they eat hot food. If it's not crawfish, they'll get hiccups. If you want to ask your question, make sure to join us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Team Never Quit. We got awesome challenge coins, gear, behind the scenes content. We actually send some really cool videos every once in a while. You're going to want to make sure you're joining us there. But right now, let's get to Denise. This is going to be fun. Denise, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you. Marcus, everybody is going to literally freak out when they hear about the young lady sitting in the room with us. (laughs) <laughs> it's been a while since we've met together. It I has mean, been. Glad to see hey, you know, you're supposed to give him shit about that because you and I. I know. We, we keep in touch. We, we, we hang, we, we hang. talk, we yeah. chat, text, call no, each I other. Yeah, yeah. Bring it on. I, I understand that because every you time know. we talk, I'm usually, if I'm sitting there, or, or we'll, we talk about you a lot. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I just. Yeah, don't try to explain. It. Mm-hmm. Just get caught mm-hmm. up in the shoelaces. I apologize. The ghosting on the text messages. And I, everything. I, I apologize <laughs> for that whole thing, cousin. I will not do it again. <laughs> Believe you me. All right. So we have our cousin, a young lady, in the room with us today that we're going to interview, and 
It's not just because she's family, but when you got a you got yeah, she's a, got a great story. The story <laughs> is off the charts, and you want to talk about a never quit story. And she's humble about it. She never boasts or, or, or gloats or anything. So we're gonna do it for her. But nevertheless, cousin Denise, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. You want to kick this thing off with a mad minute? Oh yes. Okay, go ahead. All right, so before, before we do this, we can kind of just send out some feeler questions just to make everybody laugh and get you in the... Okay. Not that we need to do that with you, because we're sitting in here and, <laughs> you know, we're family, so... What was one of the craziest things you saw when you were in the air? Uh, no, this one is kind of funny, actually. Funny. I was like, man, I, it is kind of funny, video, actually. Like, what you got? Oh, on your FLIR? Yeah, on the... On, uh, well, there's on the FLIR, and then just flying across the desert, some of the stuff that you see is just... <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Turn around and be like, what is that? Seriously, we're flying around, and there's a... In the desert, just mounds that are perfectly round mounds with what looks like a little nipple on top it looked like sets of titties going across the desert sand dirt oh, yeah. no idea what they were never found out what they were oh, there's something zoomed there. in on them could i was just like man those are perfect titties <laughs> i was like i want some like that i have no idea what they were where was that at there's guys yeah <laughs> i bet you there's something like a tomb or something underneath there of- oh, or something Oh, we saw some cool stuff like that, some historical stuff, you know, and it was really cool flying down the Euphrates. And, you know, I remember sending mom emails going, hey, you know, I just flew over this today and it's biblical stuff. You know, it's y'all cool being over there, right? We're seeing all yeah, that. I it thought is. so too. I mean, can you imagine? That's kind of like the sandcastle area. I remember, right. Yeah. Can you imagine what's out there? <laughs> I remember <laughs> seeing the Tiger City Euphrates for the first time and it was kind of at a bottleneck where all the trash was collected. And I was like, this is where horsemen came from? <laughs> One time we were trying to get over to we were coming from uh Ramadi going from Shark Base over to Hurricane Point. We had to, we, mm-hmm. we take the Zodiac over there uh-huh. because the Marines were on one side, so we morning had to go there. And the first time we got in there on the river, first time I've ever been on the Euphrates. Like it's pretty cool, man. We get out to try to crank the motor up. We're, we're, we're zooming down. They say, "Hey, don't get caught in this in this, in this choke point right here." <laughs> nice, bro. Yeah, engine crap the bed. We didn't have any paddles. We're sitting there trying to paddle with our hands and stuff like that. That was my first trip in the Euphrates. It was awesome. Just got shoved down river. <laughs> I do the hit the frog man real quick. Nice. All right, so we'll get into we'll get let's get into a little background just for the listeners so they know where we're coming from. They know who's sitting in the room with us. I'll give a little in brief here. So our cousin, our young lady here, the young lady here, she started out in the Air Force, which is obviously the best move ever if you're going to join the services. Join 100%. the Air Force, yeah, because that's where all the pretty ladies hang out, and it's it's pretty cush. We literally tell people to join. We literally, yeah, literally I do too. Then, I do too. And then from the air, she was a medic in the Air Force for how many years were you in the Air Force? Fifteen. Fifteen years. Okay. Then she decided to make the worst decision of her life and went warrant officer and joined the Army. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, going from an Air Force medic for fifteen years to a warrant officer in the Army, flying. Apache longbows, and I mean, there is a handful only of female Apache longbow pilots. You know how many there are now? I know because when you got in, there wasn't that many. When I came in, there wasn't that many. I don't know how many there are now. I know a girlfriend of mine in flight school, and I sat there and counted over a two year period how many females went through the Apache course at Rucker, and it was less, it was like less than half of a percent of the people going through a, the Apache course only at flight school. That's that's insane. Okay, so uh, Air Force medic, Apache, Army Army Apache pilot, single mom, double cancer survivor, mm-hmm. and 
just an amazing. All right, here we go. Let's yeah. let's just back it up to the family. Back, back it up to the family. Back it up to the family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, this part. All right, so you're you're from dad's side of the family. Yes, I'm from that one. So my mother and your father are cousins. Correct. And on that side of the family, we obviously have a lot of military. Like mm. My papa was a B-17 pilot in World War II. I think that's where I get my aviation inspiration from. Mm-hmm. I was always fascinated with him growing up. And uh, yeah, Your side was the wings. We were the water. Yes. Yeah, y'all were all the Navy uh. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. When looking at going in the military, when I was a kid, I never even considered Navy. Not, it was it was smart, like smart. furthest furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> it was always Air Force. I always wanted to be an F sixteen pilot. I mean, and then there was the arguments of F sixteen versus F fifteen, blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, that's Navy. Well, fourteen. Oh, that's Navy too. I'm sorry. Wait, I'm sorry. you, you got to go get on a ship that's for right. that. No, I don't want that. Yeah. Land <laughs> so, base. Yeah, land base launch. And uh, I was the only girl on mom's side of the family, so I grew up with my brother Kyle, Jason, you guys. Y'all were four years. Oh, four years younger than me, right? Remember, did y'all remember going out to the creek and stuff like that? Beat out creek, swimming with the freaking alligators. (laughs) I think about that now. I'm like, I can't believe they let us swim in that crap. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so I was always uh, the only girl, and I'd get mad at Christmas when my cousins would get BB guns and fishing rods and knives, and I'd get a doll and stuff like that. (laughs) So uh, I guess that kind of had shaping me into what I ended up doing eventually as an adult. Funny how that works out. Yeah. Got to be tough growing up in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, so why did you, why did you pull the trigger on the Air Force? I don't think I ever, you ever told me that story. When did I leave the No, Air why did you decide to go? <laughs> why did I decide to go Air Force? Yeah. Um, well, I actually went Air Force Reserves, um, in high school, I took the ASVAB. I knew I wanted to be military. I knew I wanted to be a pilot. Actually, I was torn between being a doctor and a pilot. Those are the two things I wanted to do. Not, not bad. Not bad. Took the ASVAB. I guess I made really good scores. I don't remember what it was. And everybody was calling me. And my mom had a friend who was in the Air Force Reserves. And she was like, you little hot-headed, smart-ass, know-it-all, 17-year-old, you're going to get your ass kicked in the military. So why don't you try the reserves in that yeah, way? If, if people know how the men are in this family. Imagine how our <laughs> girls are. She's like, if you don't really like it, at least it's just the reserves. And so I went and talked to this recruiter. He's like, what do you want to be? I told him I'd be a doctor or a pilot. And he kind of laughed. He's like, out of high school, you can't do that. So here's what I have. And he just starts reading down this list. And um, blah, 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 aeromedical evacuation technician, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'll take it. And he was like, well, do you want to know what it is? I said, no. You said air and medical. Best of both worlds. I'll take it. And honestly, Unless it's been had, labeled wrong. <laughs> I had no idea what that job was all throughout my training. It was like um, a year's worth of, of medical training and inter- uh, uh, OJT at the hospital and stuff like that. And it wasn't until I got done with the active duty part of the training, I got back to my unit that they started putting me on C-130s and training you on C-130s to load patients and stuff like that. I still think of that 15 years of my life as some of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had in my life. Flight medic? I mean, flying in and out of in, in Afghanistan and Iraq and Kosovo, um, picking up wounded troops, wounded. That's what they threw me on when they pulled me on the mountain. Me mm-hmm. too. Coming back from uh, yeah. Germany. That's funny too because I wanted to be a SEAL than a doctor. 
and I, I put I picked medic. Well, back in the day, it was at Fort Sam, so I thought I could come back to Texas, and, and I figured every op needed a medic. So, right. And uh, now he's the doc, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that far. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working on that thirty year degree plan. That's okay. <laughs> That's the experienced one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it was an awesome job. Fifteen years of that. Um, where where were you stationed? Were you stationed in one spot the whole time? I was in hers. San Antonio for nine years and then out of Minneapolis for the Ugh. next six. Oof, man. Yes. I don't think I knew that either. I threw a dart at the map and decided to move to Chicago. We well, practice your darts. Oh, you should have talked to You went back up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't want to be in the Navy. <laughs> Tell you what, the first time we ever saw, I saw snow was up there. Oh, man, that place is crazy why, cold. Yeah, they're hard up there, man. And then drilling out of Minneapolis was like, opposite of frying pan to the fire i mean it was oh. cold chicago to colder in minneapolis it was horrible it's it any colder than that's the first else. time i ever saw a blizzard i was sitting at the airport and it was a beautiful day beautiful i mean and all of a sudden here it just blew in mm-hmm. that's that's why it shows up mm-hmm. right off the lake it's cold oh yeah great lakes man what uh so 50 so any cool stories as a medic in the air force oh yes absolutely give us your give us your so top top one like top out of the top five out of the top five because i know there's got to be um, the craziest shit ever uh, there's some crazy stuff absolutely but uh the doctor the female doctor that took care of jessica lynch oh yeah um we flew her and her family back over here um her husband the the lawyer was already here um so she was that was an interesting mission, to say the least. Her father was very, very ill, so we were having to take care of him. Her sister was pregnant, so we were having to take care of her. I mean, it was a lot of, lot of stuff going on on that aircraft as far as... And then trying to keep it all hush-hush and quiet, getting them over here. You know, that was another big deal. So it was kind of a interesting mission. I have a picture with her. I hadn't heard that name in a while. Yeah, when I came to in Germany, the, uh, that's where they, they stuck me. In, in that the, room, in right? the room? Yeah, no, I was in the pediatric ward because I woke up and I was like, pediatric ward, I can't be good. <laughs> 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 You're like, am I wearing diapers? I'm like, oh, uh, I can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? I woke up and I have kids or what? what's going on? <laughs> and then the doc, he would just kind of stand over me and uh, some, oh, I had a, my, one of my guards was standing there and, and uh, he was like, hey, this is the room that Jessica Lynch was in. Mm. Sweet. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, I was like, come with like a special TV or something. <laughs> well, the the physician mm. that took care of her, I mean, she's an amazing woman. Uh, talking to her was interesting. Listening to some of the stories that she told us. We were on the plane for a long time. But, um, and the bravery and what she did, her and her husband did, and um, amidst all of that to get our guys to Jessica Lynch. Um, it was an interesting story. So... That was interesting. I say that some of the hardest was, especially in Iraq. Now, Afghanistan, we got no sleep. We were the only two medevac units up at Bagram, and we were just constant, constant going, 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 going. Um, But in Iraq, it was pretty much the same thing. The hardest part in Iraq was, you know, you're not supposed to fly human remains on the same aircraft as Uh, wounded. Because... They could have been in the same. They know each other, this and that and the other. We honestly, there was not enough aircraft. There were so many killed 
and wounded coming out all at one time that there was just not enough aircraft. So we would have to load patients on and then stand at attention while we loaded caskets on mm. as well. Mm-mm. Yeah. It was heart-wrenching. Heart-wrenching. Those um, ramp ceremonies. I, I showed up to Afghanistan in two weeks. We did our first ramp ceremony. And, and it was actually my roommate in 18 Delta mm. who had been killed. I was standing in formation. I did. I just gotten there, and one, I, one of the buddies beside me, he was in my class. I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" I was like, "Hey, who's who?" Uh, and he told me. I was like, "And then I made it back just in time for the ramp ceremony when the guys were uh, shipping out. I didn't get to see him after that. Mm. But that's pretty powerful how they how we do that." Funny ass story when we first got to Bagram, us Air Force pukes. They didn't tell us anything. Oh, we got there. I got there in August of '02. Is when I first got to Bagram because I was in Kosovo in 01. But um, they didn't tell us anything about the landmines not being cleared or any of that. So, just some orange spray paint. They stop the C 130 on the taxiway, and there's, you know, still a dirt, of, right? Still dirt. Yeah. You know, in between the taxiway and the, and the, the quote unquote runway. I'm a smoker. I'm hopping off that plane to get my cigarette because I've been on the plane for so long. So I'm, be bopping out and I hear Sergeant Sanders stop and I was like turn around and I'm like, what and they're like come back exactly how you went out there and I'm like why <laughs> I have no clue I'm completely clueless and they're like that's there's landmines out here still they go boom <laughs> and I'm like Screw y'all, I'm standing here smoking my cigarette first. You should be like, I was, I'm trying to show you guys where the path is yeah. to do this. <laughs> right? Made, so I stood you there You made it out to the smoke cigarettes. pit. Might as well just enjoy it. Oh, man. That was, that was uh, not fun standing there. There was, what, was out, what was out there at, at the base when you when y'all landed in that back then? Still Tent City, I'm sure. Tent City. We were in GP Larges. Yeah. Uh, we had MKTs for food. Yeah, but I think we should explain why we always tell everybody to join the Air Force. Because normally by the time you guys get set up, it's amazing. I mean, it's like a Pizza Hut, a swimming pool, Baskin Robbins, <laughs> volleyball courts. Yeah, it best, wasn't that. The best food. At Bagram. Uh, no, not yet. I, no. I was out there in 02. 03? I was out there. First Four. Time. Four. Oh, four. And it's still. Yeah. It wasn't. K&B. And it wasn't Air Force sexy. No. Right. Or, they I mean, were uh, moving in as we were flying out in 03. K and M? K and R? K and R. K and R. K and R. Or B and R. B and R. Brown and Root. Right? K and B is KBR. 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 There you go. That's, That's right. KBR. KBR. And because uh, when we first got there, they were serving. Uh, out of mermites, right? Rats. Green yeah, thing. Out of a little trailer. <laughs> I mean, Ugh. it was, and you got so sick of eating MREs, the smell of an MRE when you open it up. It was horrible. And the rats. And Army Infinite Wisdom, they didn't like all the cats at Balgram Air Base, so they did what they do to get rid of cats instead of just neutering them or whatever. So then we ended up with a bunch of mice in our tents, in our bags, chewing holes through our gear. Some of us are quick. Some of us eat a Kim Light. And then (laughs) during wintertime, they put all these beautiful, bright yellow fuel heaters in between every other gp large and we're like they didn't have enough fuel to fuel the aircraft out there much less put fuel in these big ass heaters but they wouldn't turn the heat on until it was below freezing for a certain amount of time because then the snakes would hibernate in our tents <laughs> so we're like come on people bring the cats back i was gonna say cat problem 
God, I'd rather deal with cats than rats and snakes. So I did that for 15 years. And then um, around 2003, so Afghanistan was when I first started seeing Apaches. And I was like, ooh, what's that? I had only seen Blackhawks before then. There's and, a uh, base over here. <clears throat> in Conroe. I know, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's what she was out of. No, I know, but I'm just saying, it's we're seeing it for the first time over there in, in the way... They've been there since 92. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, first time I saw an Apache out there, I was just like, wow. That's cool. And uh, at Bagram, we were co-located with the Army medevac, the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. And I was like a little groupie, man. Every time they came back from a mission, I was like, what'd y'all do? Can I go look at the aircraft? And I was just a little groupie to all the pilots out there. I was always going to looking at their aircraft and stuff like that. But um, met a couple warrant officers out there and then went on from there three months later. Came home three months later, went for Iraq and met some warrant officers there. And they're like, you can do it. I was like, no way. So I started calling recruiters and stuff. And that's my my big never quit story right there is I was in 2003 and 2004. I'd have recruiters ask me, what does your husband think about you wanting to do this? Um, Aren't you married? Don't you have kids you need to take care of? Army aviation is not conducive to females. I was going to say, when did, it, when did it switch from them saying you could do it to when you started hitting the... Probably after she made it. Uh, 2004, I happened to meet a retention NCO by accident that... It was a group of them, actually. It was males and females. And um, they were like, oh, heck yeah, we can do it. And it was... I met him July of 04. He started my packet in August, and I passed November boards. Now I met from when people were, were fired up about you doing it to when you met the first, when you ran into like, hey, we don't want women here. You know, this is hard. You're just another one of the... Um, how long did I... You're probably getting heat the whole time you're making in- inquiries to be a pilot, right? The entire time. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> the entire time. In 1991, I wrote a letter to first George Bush. <laughs> now, we're talking way back when. Because I was in the Air Force at the time, and I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And I didn't understand how you could train me as a fighter pilot, but not let me go fly in combat. It wasn't until 93 that they lifted that. And we have, you know, McSally and Leavitt and the the three women that were my icons back then. Um, but over the years, it was just like, no, you can't do that. You, can't. you can go be a pilot, you can be an instructor, but you can't fly in combat and things like that. I'm like, why would I, why would anyone go through all that training just to be an instructor and not be able to fly in combat? But, um, army aviation switching, especially Apaches where there's so few females, it's a man's world. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and there ain't nothing wrong with that. It's no, pre- there's just a lot of men over there, right? It's, it's, it's predominantly it, it, men. It's only a man's world until the women start going into it. I mean, but it's predominantly men. You can't you can't walk in as a female and say treat me differently. You know, I went in there with the mindset of I want to be treated just like the next guy. I'm going to work just as hard, if not harder, than the next guy. And did I run into roadblocks? One hundred percent, I did. Um, I was very lucky in the aspect that in flight school, I had an instructor pilot had just gotten back from Iraq and uh, very experienced, had no qualms about me being, you know, flight school. I didn't really have any problems with being a female. It was beyond flight school when you get in where you're 
with some of the older guys uh, who still kind of have that mindset and things like that. But when they see that you're willing to put in the work, you're willing to put in the effort, and most of them just kind of got used to it, I guess. That's kind of why we do that to ourselves. I mean, we pick on each other the same way. That's a, just to bring that up, I, when y'all come in, you want to be just one of the boys. You're not. And you're some not. of us are raised that way. Like, hey, you're, you're, you'll always be a lady. All yes. Right? And when we, if we're not picking on you, that means we don't like you. So exactly. Order, you know, sometimes in order to pick yeah, on do you, you. How do you, did you see it? Did, did it, did it if you take a 30,000 foot view at it, were they, was it a female thing or was it just, you're going to have to you're going to have to earn your stripes like everybody else did. Everybody else gets their balls busted. I mean, that's probably not there the best were both because I mean, you there was both. Yeah. Cause you're, you're, there new, was they're, both. They're, they're, they're trying to figure out how to uh, oh. pick on you properly. You know, properly. Yeah. You know, that's gotta be tough, man. There were some guys that they picked on me just like they picked on the other guys. There was, there was Good, no, right? I mean, I saw plenty of, you want to be treated like and... one of the boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look well, at the gum. Yeah, yeah. You hey, know, I tell you, you shut a dude down. Be <laughs> you like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> you know, some bubble like, gum. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> it's cold water. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I saw some stuff. We know you're from tough, guys. man. You, that's what they noticed. It's like some of them dudes are messing with you. It's like if they actually understood where you come from, right? So that's the cool part. When because of the girls, you, you see what they're wrapped in, but they don't understand how, how tough y'all are on the inside. Oh, yeah, where you right. came from. I so mean, that, I got both. I really did. I mean, I was, quote unquote, hazed along with the rest of them, carrying the senior pilot's bags out to the aircraft. and So the best is when you turn bitch, that around, like when you're the you instructor know? and the guys come in <laughs> and you, you give that, you because then they don't know what to do. Right, right. And that's how you learn. That's how you learn how to, to dish it out to the guys if y'all become instructors. Exactly. And I, the ones like you that just, that, because of how our family dynamic, we pick on each other anyways. Right. I mean, it's funny. Just to, yeah, it's like, hey, does that bother you? Because we'll just keep doing it. Right. <laughs> but a lot of people aren't grow, uh, raised like that. But that's how the respect we show for the ladies, y'all, that y'all have just as much power as we do up to this. That's how y'all do it. Y'all go we as far to. as you can. Yeah. We have to. <laughs> we have to. So I would say I wasn't, I wasn't uh, picked on. And plus, I never... I never looked at myself, you know us, we're not victims. Yeah, that's great, because right. don't tell us Morgan and I their names, because we'll go find them for picking on you. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not victims. <laughs> no, I was I not raised a victim. No, no, uh, So I did not walk in there thinking with that mindset, oh, I'm a minority, I have to do this differently, they're going to treat me differently. If I walked in there with the mindset of that, then yeah, I probably would have been treated differently. But, um, and I've that's seen, a great point. I've like seen it shows girls up if you show who, up with it. who did that. They walked in there with that mindset, and they got treated with that mindset. It's like they brought it into the room. Like they yes. show, you show up with it, and you show up with it, you're going to get it. Uh, me, I just kind of walked in there with, "Hey, I'm confident in who I am. This is where I'm meant to be. This is where I want to be. So here I am. Like it or not, I'm here." And um, some guys respected that. Some guys were like, "Damn, she's a hot-headed bitch," you know. Can be right. I'm like, <laughs> and. You know, <laughs> so, uh, but other than that, uh, there were the few instances with people saying stuff to me. And I think in Iraq, when I deployed, where we had, we were we'll get very to that. close. We'll get, to that. we'll get to that story. Keep going through, keep going through this piece One of the things I talked to uh, my battalion commander about afterwards, and I was like, you know, you ever go over there again, don't do this. What they did is... Um, for convenience and safety reasons and things of that nature, 
at Taji, they have the the big, I don't know what we called them, Chuville, but they were sectioned off by those big T walls. Mm. And so it was like this space city sort of. Um, they had all the females over here in this one. And so then you had to exit this whole area to get over to where I was in Charlie Company, where all my pilots and my crew chiefs and my company commander and my first sergeant and all them were over here in a total different section. So anytime we had ad hoc mission planning or studying or, hey, let's all go to the gym or, hey, let's all go to chow, if they forgot to come over to get me, then I was by myself. And I was like, that takes away from that that building team of cohesion that cohesion that team cohesion the camaraderie and then they were adamant i mean huge on no males in a female chew no females in a male chew because you're constantly studying that's one thing about an apache pilot is you're never through studying not in the books always 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 you can never learn enough i mean learning all of the Weapon systems, the computer systems, the glass cockpit, plus just the simple aerodynamics and the engines. You have to know everything. And so they'd be sitting in there doing question answers, you know, shoot, sharpshooting each other. I couldn't join them because I was a female and they're all in there. All the guys are in there helping each other out. It put me at a disadvantage on that aspect. And so that's one of the things I talked to um, my battalion commander afterwards. And I was like, y'all got to... Y'all got to look at that with, if they're like, well, there's safety issues, you know, putting a female with a bunch of guys, there's a higher risk of her getting attacked or raped or what? I'm like, what? Jesus how's that Christ. work? No, that's not, that's I'm the like, opposite of that. If it's going to happen, I mean, it's going to happen. Like if, you put them in, she's, like if you put them in prison, but this is a patchy community. Yeah, right. Man. And so I'm like, if somebody's going to attack her, somebody's going to attack her, whether she's sleeping in a chew next to females or sleeping in a chew next to males. Or she's sleeping by herself. Yeah, herself. You put them right in the middle with everybody else. Everybody else, when you're sleeping, everybody watches each other. And if there is one jackass in there that wants to mess with you, the rest of them are going to come to your aid. Right. And in the Air Force, like, when I was at Bagram, it was male-female tents. There was, I mean, I went in there, I was like, you ain't seen a woman in her underwear by, you need to by now, you know. Yeah, all the, they kept ours in the, in the main talk where this, all the headshed was. Mm-hmm. I mean. And then we were around them. The Army guys with us were like, Y'all have females in the same tents? We're like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not the cool thing about the Air Force. Go ahead. Go ahead. I used to, all, I mean, there were times we were out there getting my butt, we were getting our butts in, especially during Red Wing. I was like, man, if I wish my cousin was in the air right now because she would burn that Apache down the mountain. I mean, like a <laughs> dragon full of fire coming through that cloud. Oh, God. What was it? Get me. Tell, tell, the, tell everybody what it's like to, to fly that thing. It's the first time you pulled off the ground. What was, oh. was that like? It had to be terrifying the first time. Terrifying? Yes. Let's hear it. It is terrifying. Um, I mean, you go through flying the little Bell helicopter first, and that's scary enough. And I had a crappy instructor pilot for that. But when I got into the AQC, the qualification course for the Apaches, the first time I picked that thing up off the ground, I probably peed myself a little bit i mean it's in happiness and yeah hey, it's, me happiness. And <laughs> <laughs> it's happiness and fear and everything else because it's a lifelong dream you know a lifelong dream that you're finally coming to fruition and you're just like wow i'm really doing this i'm really really doing this and then you 
fuck it all up because you don't know how to fly the damn thing yet. And you're like, oh, God, we're going to die, you know? <laughs> like you're so, in a race car for the first time, right? Just kind of like, whoa. I you're mean, like, wow, this is cool. And then when you really punch it, you're like, oh, God, I'm about to kill us. <laughs> and I damn near did kill us one time. We were out there uh, flying in remote areas where you got to go get into confined, confined spaces and judge the distance rotor of the trees distance, yeah. away from your rotor system and everything else. And it was a pretty windy day. And we're taking off coming out to turn around and come back in it and right as i'm turning i'm realizing my god i got a lot of right pedal in meaning the wind is coming on my tail real hard right as i thought that the wind caught my tail and flipped it back around and we were nosediving right back down into that rt and my instructor pilot jerry works love you um he uh emergency took the controls and it was bad. It, he, he was sitting there going, fuck, 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 you know, just like looking. Because you have to look at your torques. If you over-torque it, you're going back to the house. Um, there's a lot of damage you can do in those situations to the aircraft, and you can't fly it anymore until it goes gets looked at. So we over-torqued it, and, or I over-torqued it. We're flying it back to the house, and uh, dead silence. Dead silence. We I don't hate talk. that, man. No, I don't. Yeah, just like, and I'm sitting there like, dis- I just disappointed my dad. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, Damn man. And finally I speak up. I'm like, Would you please yell at me? <laughs> Mr. Works. And he's like, yep. I'm like, you mad at me? He starts laughing. He's like, no, man. If I got mad every time a student tried to kill me, right? I'd be one angry pilot. <laughs> I'm like, all right. He and I are still really good friends. Love him to death. He's out in Afghanistan right now. What does that thing respond like? Is it is it quick on the stick, or is it because it's, it I is. Mean, it's big? It too, is. It is. But it is. There's a, a SAS and SCAS system that that smooths everything out, and it kind of reads the winds and everything else, so it kind of helps you with those controls and stuff. So it's not like an old system where you're actually moving. You're doing right. everything at it. So it's got a little. It's like a, a smart computer. Forgiveness. Oh, forgiveness. What was it like being in the bag? Uh, the pilot seat. Yeah, don't they, they don't they bag y'all up? And you have the oh, what was that show we used to watch? Thunderbirds, Thunderbirds, or Thornbirds, <laughs> the Thunderbirds. So flying the bag that was in flight school. Yeah. You fly the bag. You do that whether you're front seat or back seat. But um, and what that does is get you used to and get you to trust your your eyesight there through. Your right, because that gun's connected to your head, right? So whenever you move your head, that gun on the front's moving. You can't. Yes, you can slave the gun. That's to your pretty head. cool. <laughs> <laughs> she, sent me, she sent me a picture when she was in the cockpit with that thing on. Yeah, dude, dude, I can only bet you got that oh, visor down. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a you know that patchy reaper up there scanning around with that big old cannon, just the same way the nose is going. You're like, yep. man, because yep. from the ground, you're like, you can see where you're looking. I'm yes. like, man, there's suckers are scanning. When you lock onto something, it's like, oh, she just saw something. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because you started out with the just the Apache, but then you went to the long. How did that work? Then you went to longbows, right? Or no, I started off in the longbow. Start off in longbows. Okay. I never got to fly the Alpha model, so okay. I went straight to the Delta model. Okay. Um, but yeah, the bag is funny because you get in that cockpit and you black out all the glass and everything else, like even little pinholes with masking tape, you know, because it's during the day, so a little bitty tiny bit of light comes through, and then you put that thing on, you're flying around, and it's just really trusting your instruments, you know, trusting what you're seeing. And your HDU. And um, coming in for the landing on that, I was uh, disoriented, but trusting my HDU. 
but my body was telling me I was in a complete different orientation. And mm. so Jerry, my IP, still laughs to this day. Because when I came in, I was like flying. Like, really? I was all backwards. I'm like, come on, man. Like, a virtual video game. Like, ah. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't. He's like, you got it. You got it. Just keep going. Keep coming down. I was like, no. Are you I, sure? Because I don't know if you're looking back here. <laughs> like, we're upside down. I don't know if you can see me. And the instructors, they can put their screens on so they can tell where our head is situated. They can tell what we're looking at and everything. And he was like, man, Denise, you're damn near laying down upside down <laughs> oh, man. in that cockpit. Uh, so, yeah. I was like me at Disney World at that virtual ride we do when I was a kid. Like, man, I try to crawl down into the seat. Yeah, that's <laughs> basically what it, because you get so disoriented in the seat of your pants. You know, there's, there's, there's different ways to fly by the seat of your pants, by your instruments. There's a reason why they say that, fly by the seat of your pants. Yes, because you get into your body just starts thinking that's the position you're in, that your aircraft is turned or whatever. And that's how a lot of crashes happen. They don't trust their instruments. They trust the seat of their pants or what their vertigo is telling them and stuff like that. But um, I flew primary front seat, which is the gunner. Back seat is the pilot in command, typically. Um, I liked being the gunner. I liked shooting them up. Killing mm-hmm. that people, you know? what's up? Power. <laughs> I liked that. Um, everybody progresses. Everybody's dual seat. So right. you can fly both seats, and you f- actually fly the helicopter in both seats, and both seats manipulate the weapon systems. They just have different capabilities in each seat. So you paired up with a person for, uh, like, flight buddy, like with swim buddies and <clears throat> your battle buddy and all no, that? No, they switch you out. Oh, really? They do switch you out. Um, typically, once you get in theater you maintain that that uh, buddy person, system yeah, two person for the most part. They still switch you out depending on what pilot, they need. Do the, the fixed wing guys do that or they still do the... No, Pilot Rio? Yeah, Pilot that's, Rio. They, that's, they, that's completely different, right? Between the fixed yeah. wing guy and the rotary. Yeah, I don't know. I know I was with... My nickname was Wheezy. Uh, in Iraq, I don't know why. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Smokestack. But um, uh, and so there was another guy, one of the pilots, Giazellas. His first name was George, and so it was George and Wheezy. There you go. We were always flying. There's something there for that. All right. Yep. And there's awesome. Uh, the smokestacks <laughs> right outside of Baghdad. Um, I didn't know this. Sitting in the chow hall after I hurt my neck, which by the way, yeah, in Iraq. Broke your neck. Broke your neck. I didn't break it. Just the uh, C5, C6 was herniated so bad I okay. had to get it replaced. Right. Um, no big deal. Nah. <laughs> Sorry, it core. really wasn't. So. But um, they uh, were talking in the chow hall, and he was like, oh, man, I was out by uh, Checkpoint Wheezy. And I was like, where's Checkpoint? Checkpoint, what do you mean Checkpoint Wheezy? And he just sat there, and he was like, uh, and I was like, where's Checkpoint Wheezy, y'all? <laughs> y'all didn't tell me about no Checkpoint Wheezy. They had made it up. And it's the smokestacks right outside of Baghdad. Well, then a few years later, some of my buddies deployed again. I was like, hey, y'all, is Checkpoint Wheezy still there? And they're like, hell yeah, we're making sure it's still there. So <laughs> hopefully I still have a checkpoint outside of Baghdad named after That's me. cool having some property in Baghdad. <laughs> in Babylon. So riding the Thunderbird, when was uh, this is a little bit one of the best kept secrets in the family? And I don't even know how you and I got on the topic of conversation with, but we were chatting it up one day and I was like, Hey, when are you deploying? And she rattles off the her deployment cycle. And I was like, 
oh, snap. That's when I'm leaving. And then it was, well, where are you going? And then she rattled that off, and I was like, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> That's where I'm going to be. <laughs> and, oh, my God. I mean, we were just back and forth because they were supporting us at a TF. And I was like, please praise God that you're going to be flying overhead when I'm, because I was a GC. And uh, that's when you got hurt though, right? Yeah. Figures. They did it on purpose. Oh my, oh my goodness gracious, good Lord almighty, just let some bad dude show up. I got a few uh, missions with you guys out there, but it was before you showed up. Yeah. Man, that's smart enough not to let us work together. I remember when I was over my last time, when we were in Ramadi, uh, one of the guys we trained with, Breg. Uh-huh. Uh, Bo and Bragg, they're, they're brothers. They, they were the Green Berets in our squad. And he was posted up uh, outside a hit. Uh-huh. And we would go, I, I just randomly saw his call sign on the on the comms log. Uh-huh. And I radioed over there. I was like, hey, man. And, and, we, <laughs> and I mean, a couple weeks later, we had a program out where we we found each other. We just got to see face to face for a little bit. But uh, yep. I was with them both. Yeah. Two yeah. Different man, I, I used to think about if, if I got a chance to be over there with you, I was like, I'm going to find a way to go over in that helicopter. <laughs> Oh, I'm right going to come down and guess. First like, of all, I'm going to need you to dump every single one of your stores. Like, That's my cousin. You can talk to her. She said I can take it. <laughs> long, long time ago. <laughs> long, long, long time ago, she said, ever if I... Look. She said we can fly if we want to. <laughs> right? Well, I just knew if I ran into any, either of y'all, I'd, I'd kill a rock if there was oh, not a God, bad guy. You know, I, 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 I was thinking about it. I was like, let's see. My cousin here, there's no ceiling drop. Like I was saying, she'd burn that helicopter straight in. Yeah, I want every one of them Zunis downrange. I had everything range. I could think down there. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Uh, as soon as I heard your call sign voice over the thing, I'd have been like, yeah. Oh, yeah. man, you know what, though? It is funny because covering the convoys and the guys kicking in doors and all of that stuff, what they're not expecting is a female, female. female voice to come in uh-huh. and say, hey, you know, this is Tiger so-and-so. We're here. We got this much time on station. We got this many of that. If anybody kill somebody, let me know. What you want? <laughs> Where you want us? Man, because y'all can check in quite. A lot of times out there in the mountains, they could hear all I'm coming in. And that, dude, when you're in the thick of it, and a lot of guys are bravado thing, but when you're getting hammered and a woman's voice comes over, it's like the operator. You're like, oh, take a moment of pause and hear some music. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, okay, they send in that art, that, that, that angel, right? That crazy one. Just get them in here. Because. <laughs> I, I tried to go even to the arty guys. Uh-huh. I go over to the camp, and be like, "Hey, this is you hear this voice over the radio. This is the face, right?" And and because um, once you get personal with them, you you know it's different. It is. It's completely different it than hearing just an autonomous different. voice over it. And you don't. But once you put that together, then you then you're going. Yeah. And I think so a lot of people don't understand is like we do this thing called show of force sometimes when we just want people to get their heads down if we're trying to make movement. We want bad guys to keep their heads down, so we'll call in a we'll call in a fixed wing aircraft that'll come over at about six hundred miles an hour. And they'll duck. But there is something to be said. When that Apache noses up over the top of a roof and just hangs out, that will literally scare people to death. Hovers over you. They would call us in just to get them to stop. Exactly. We'd call in. We'd go in and shooting would stop. It's like, they know better. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're there. I saw that gun. (laughs) 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 I mean, that that, that cannon swinging back and forth. I mean, you can tell she's looking for something. 
right? I'd look like a hunter. And then, then of course, then of course, that you know, at a certain altitude, the gun looks like it's pointing directly at you, no matter where All you're standing, time. no matter what you're doing. It's just <laughs> like, hey, the eyes are always looking Jesus at you. Jesus right? Christ, is she looking at me? And some people are gonna be like, hey, you know, you shouldn't be talking about show of force over the radio. I can guarantee you, even if you tell them that an F8, that a fixed wing is about to blow over on the top of you, it doesn't matter if you know it's coming or not, you'll get down. Yes. And then when that patchy shows up, you will run. Yes. Especially if she lights it up. Yes. She lights that gun up. Yeah. Wheezy, she got that cigarette hanging out of her mouth and she points at your ass. You better, <laughs> you better start running. You can't better run start nowhere. Running. <laughs> so how long are you, to- how long, you're still in reserves in the Army. I'm right? in the National Guard now. National yeah. Guard now, okay. Mm-hmm. And how long has that been? You've been a third, 30 years, right? September was 29. So I'm. this is my 30th year, yeah. September what? September 6th. Close. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's about that time, <laughs> as so, much as I don't want to. Air Force medic, Apache pilot, had a catastrophic neck injury. That's just scratching the surface. Yes, yes. Far for the family. <laughs> What's you know. uh? So now, currently, uh, was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, both breasts. Uh, I am very, I, I'm one of those people. I like to think positive. Positivity helps you get through life in a lot of ways, and I consider myself very lucky. Um, I was in the right place at the right time, and I was very close to canceling my appointment, and I didn't. So ladies and men out there who have uh, significant others, mothers, sisters, all of that, don't cancel your mammograms. Go get them. Uh, They're both stage one. I have it in both breasts. Um, One might be stage two. They'll know better once they get in there. But March 30th, I'll be having a bilateral mastectomy. And as of right now, I don't need uh, radiation or chemo. So unless they get in there, they find it in my lymph nodes or something else happens, then as of right now, I'll just be getting the mastectomy and then reconstruction. This isn't your first go with cancer either. No, it's not. When I was in flight school, that was another never quit moment. Let me tell you, when, I, when you're on the flight line, you got a doctor sitting across from me, you go for a normal female exam this doctor told me if you don't have a hysterectomy within the next month you're going to be dead in five years i was like so wow. sweet i got time i got time <laughs> why right. are you coming to me now <laughs> right <laughs> and um my instructor pilot asked me okay you know this is this is major do you want to we'll pull you off the flight line you can handle everything you need to handle and then you can start back when you're here i was like no no, 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 no. You're not going to do that to me. This is what I got going good for me. I'll handle the doctors and stuff. I need to stay on the flight line. And so um, they worked with me there, which was awesome because I would have to have procedures done where I'd go under anesthesia and you have to be outside of anesthesia for more than 72 hours to get back in the cockpit. Yeah, regular folks do, not not, not the women in our family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, they would fly me heavy at the beginning of the week. So I could, my mom would drive in to Alabama from, from here and we'd go up to University of Alabama, Birmingham, so I could have the procedure done. And then I'd be outside of anesthesia come Monday morning, go see the flight surgeon and be like, I need my upslip. So I'm go back to class. <laughs> and, uh, that cancer was not, uh, cleared out by all the surgeries while I was in flight school, but I graduated flight school and I said, Hey, transfer me to MD Anderson. And I got transferred to MD Anderson, and um, thank God they saved my fertility, got rid of the cancer, saved my fertility, and I have a six-year-old son, Mm -hmm. which is phenomenal. He's my miracle son. I should not have been able to. He is a gem. 
I love him to death. He's amazing. <laughs> he ama- and he's starting Little League right now. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. He's in jujitsu. I love it. I love having a Of course a kid. he is. <laughs> That's the thing about women in our family. It's like always positive because mom just went through that. Exactly. It's like the minute you thought you, when something attacks you in our family, if something's fighting you, you fight it back. If you thought it's killing you, then it'll, it will just beat you down. But if you fight just like we do on the outside, on the inside, I mean, mom went through it like it was the flu. One week, she we, out of surgery. Just when you go in, I told her, man, man like when we go into the gym to work out, uh-huh. and you're laying in your rack. Next day, your chest is sore, your arms are sore. We don't. It's a good thing. It's a good right. feeling. You're like, oh, because you just you, you tore it down. Out. Yeah, but you're, you're healing it back up stronger. And if you think like when you go to when they put you under, you wake up, chest be sore. Man, we just worked out real hard. So oh, you just rest and just think about it like that. Like after when the soreness goes away, then you're healed up, rocking and rolling. Right. I mean, you just ran into mom. Yeah. As tough as you are, it's. I, will, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to lie to everybody out there, I, and this is this is the God's honest truth. Um, I found out December 19th. I didn't tell anybody but my mother and my be- like two of my best friends because um, I went through Christmas. I didn't want to tell anybody before Christmas. I didn't want to tell anybody before New Year's. And plus, I didn't have any answers yet. We hadn't done the biopsies and the pathology from December 19th to around mid-January. When I finally got pathology results back, that was one hell of a depression. I mean, I didn't want to come out of my house. I didn't want to leave the house. I stayed in my bed. My mom was doing stuff. I basically moved in with my mom thinking in my head would go to some very, 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 very dark places. All I could think of was, is my son going to watch his mother die? You know, I, I get teary eyed thinking about it. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. My best friends were calling me every day to check on me. Um, my mom was doing different things to try and keep me. She knew I was going to go through that depression stage, but she was trying to keep me from getting too deep. Sure. Um, and then, honestly, it was just one day I woke up and I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I- I'm not a sad person. <laughs> I'm not a lay down and take it person. It's time to pull your big curl panties up and... Let's do it. What do I need to do? And that's where I've been since then, starting to look at the positive sides of things, how I'm going to handle it all, quitting smoking, all of that. And I'm in a much better place than I was. But that was that was some rough, very rough. And it's it, it's okay to go through that. I look back now. It's okay to go through that. It's okay to talk about it um, because people go through that, and you shouldn't be sure. ashamed of it. Well, hell, we're warriors anyways. Well, you I got mean, up, in dark places. We go got there up, all the time. Yeah, you got to dust yourself off. You know why? Because that's what fucking winners do. Yeah. 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 That's what we do. Plain 100%. And simple. I mean, hey, you got to think, so there's got to be some good people down in hell. Just yeah, to yeah, make so, sure, just to check it I'll out. Drive, I'll drive the bus. <laughs> yeah, Come right, on. Right, right, I'll go with you. Man, I'll work the damn door. You know what I'm yeah, And sometimes we do it by ourselves, yeah. just to prove how tough we are. Yeah. That's how I always looked at it. Because, yeah, I mean, when it got back, same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we just go through that. And with us, you know how we do it. Like, we'll go full bore. Yeah. We don't have ass anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to, yeah. just like when you're shooting, pulling that back and you fire in one direction, man, we're going to check every single spot we can just to make sure we could exist in there. Yeah. And, and, you know, I could have gone, I, I, I did a little bit of drinking during that time. Uh, we're talking about a, a month's time, month, five weeks, somewhere around in there. Uh, but I saw myself going that direction. I was like, no, even in that depression, I wasn't going to go down that rabbit hole because that's a that's a rough rabbit hole to come out of and i was like you you can be depressed but don't go down that rabbit hole mm. you know 
Um, been there, done that many years ago. Don't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, we see some crazy shit in our lives. And even as the flight medic coming out of Afghanistan and Iraq. That's where you see all of it. That's where you saw all You of can't it. put your hands on something and not absorb what, what the, the, the trauma just went through because you're the ones that are right there after it. Yeah. And there was some, some horrible, horrible things you see. Um, but like I said, you, you just take the time you need to grieve and mourn and whatever you got to do. And then don't let it define you. And you did exactly, it. exactly. Yeah, grief is supposed to be brief. Yes. I mean, it's uh, the amount of time because nobody mourns like we do. I don't even, usually when our guys go down, I don't remember that week. And then once they go on the ground, then you just take everything that was all those good memories and keep making them just yes. like they're there right beside you. Cause we always talk to talk about them and say they're in the military, especially we just, we, we always remember them. Yeah. So that's the, that's a good spirit. Absolutely. It just kind of, once once you get up on step with it and you start running with it, it's hard to pull you. I mean, even if you go down with them rabbit, you're going down there with that bright light, shoo, just to shoot straight down, right? <laughs> yeah. Drive the bus fast yeah. we can. I mean, even with the windows down. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> right. We've been here before. This, this ain't hard. This is, we're just recapping the stuff we missed. So only girl growing up in a, in a, in a house full of men, Air Force medic, uh, Air Force... Flight medic. Flight medic. And then one of the only first, 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 you know, in the small group of female Apache pilots that you've had that neck, that neck injury, you cancer survivor once going in twice, single mom. Yes. Good Lord. What is, give our listeners some never quit. I mean, I say give it never quit advice. You've been giving it this whole time we've been ch- chatting, but I mean, what's your mantra? I can do it. I can do anything I put my mind to. And as long as I keep my mind. It sounds so simple. Well, it does. It sounds so simple. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, so, and I want everybody to know that Mark's and I are 6'4 and 6'5, 240, 230. You know, Mark's like 2'10 now. I'm 5'2. Nisi's 5'2. I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about C4 here. Dynamite rolls in the small. It just goes you. to show you it doesn't matter who, what, where you're from, what you look like, how tall you are, how big you are. It's that mental fortitude. It really is. You, 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 I'm tired you, of you pack that explosive. You keep I mean, getting your ass kicked. Yeah, I have. And getting back up. You just get back up. Because w- how are you going to live your life laying down? What's the point in that? You're not going to do yourself any good. You're not going to do any of your family any good. You're not going to do any of your friends any good. You're not going to be a good friend or family member or anything like that if you just give up, to me, give up and play the victim. I mean, when, when you get up every morning and you go out, life is an ass kicking. You can it either is. go out there and you know, kick your own ass or let it let somebody else do it. Exactly. And when you got that, that person next to you, he's like, hey, you know, he's like, I can do it. And ours is hell, I'll go. Right. Well, if she can do it, hell, I'll go with her. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll just kinda, that's how we roll. <laughs> it is. I mean, because some of us just got go in us. And, you know, I didn't, I, I grew up with a family of, you know, mostly men. There were women on my dad's side of the family, but no one ever told me. No, you can't go fishing with the boys, or no, you can't go hunting with the boys. It was like, well, let me get you another gun. Here you go. You know, uh, no one ever told me no. My mother was really good about that. She was like, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, so I never felt limited in what I was capable of doing growing up. And I've just kept that mindset as an adult. I'm trying to pass that down. I got a daughter. And even with my wife telling me, hey, you can do anything you want. That's the beautiful thing about being a woman in this family. Yes. We're here to kind of, 
help you if you need it, but you don't, I mean, you don't need it. Right. I mean, right. We're just here to do it. Help go with you. Right. And uh, at no point in time will we ever shut y'all down. And you know what? If a woman wants to be a, a, a housewife and a mother. You know how hard that is? That's what she wants to do. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put that out right you, now. Yeah. That ain't easy. No, it's not. That is not easy. Like, I'm not going to work every day right now because I'm waiting on my surgery and MD Anderson and all that. I'm just at home with my mother and my son. And I'm busy. I'm like, how am I so freaking busy? I'm not working. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, I'm not, I wasn't chiming in on the fact that I know what it's like to be a mother, but a homemaker. Yes. So I got Melanie's the boss. She goes into the city and I, I stay home, take care of the house and the, you know, the cooking. Man, I bled more in the kitchen than I did in combat. <laughs> I hear you. And there's more crap new around here. I'm always busy. <laughs> I hear you're cooking a lot now. Ah, she stuck me in the kitchen and just got a. Uh-huh. It's hilarious. There's always something going on around here. She'll give me the to-do list, and there's there's, there's multiple on there. And it's funny because in the military, they call it OCD when you're civilian. Military it's squared away. Yes. Right. And yes. The, I hear people say they're multitaskers. I was like, wow, you can't finish the task they gave you the first one. Right. So I mean, you know how hard we work. We until it's perfect, kind of deal, square right? everything away, and then, and then, then by the time the you work your way back around, the kids have already moved it out of line. Right. Yes. So that's it. That's the uh, that's the cool part. It's it's never ending. And compartmentalization. That's another thing that we are very in the military and especially in typical job, certain jobs, you're very, you learn how to do that very well because you won't survive if you don't. And to me, compartmentalization has helped me through a lot of this stuff. And I still do it to this day. You know, I may be sad about, you know, hey, I'm about to have my boobs chopped off, you know, whatever. But keep that over here. Recognize it. But I have other stuff I got to do, you know, so just compartmentalize it. I, I can I can shut that little box in my head and uh, move on to some other things. And that helped me tremendously through flight school, finding out I had cancer because I'd have to get up and go fly. I had, I, the, the commander had to come fly with me to see if I was mentally stable to continue flying on the in, through flight school with all that stuff. And luckily, I proved myself capable of doing it. Um, and that's one of the things my, my instructor pilots would talk about they're like man she can compartmentalize like anybody i've ever met that's the best way i've heard that explained and and when you say compartmentalize it doesn't mean you put it in the back of your mind never think about it again because it'll always be there what we do is hey it was in that department our department right yeah it's like hey i'll deal with that mess at eight o'clock tomorrow then if it shows up right because i had that was like the comm section i gotta go deal with this one i better be in a good mood because there and you shift it and you always work your way back to it and, and you slowly pick it apart you, you always have to recognize that it's there. Yeah, you yeah, can't I'm, just put it away. You can't just put it away because uh, you got to deal no matter what. That's going to keep, yeah. That's a perfect way of saying that. I have one question. What would a message be to your son that you would give? Oh. Just about life. Chivalry will never die in this family. And I'm raising him that way. Um, it's he will always treat a lady like a lady. And that's, that's one thing. I don't know. I'm raising him that way. And it doesn't mean that women are inferior by no means. Opposite of that. It is complete opposite of that. Uh, know a woman's strength and, uh, but still treat her with respect and, and gentleness. And then just whatever he wants to do, if he puts his mind to it, he can do it. That's, that's my biggest thing to anybody, anybody out there. You put your mind to it, you can do it. Yeah. It's that simple where there's a will, there's a way. It really is. 
Mind to it. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, live. That's it. That's everything. That's a lot of people think you, it's toxic masculinity. That's because they're not trained. They don't have any discipline. I, I don't. I, I can't stand that toxic masculinity. Yeah, I, I can't stand it's, it. It's, it's, it, it, when it. When it comes to the ladies, like they can do anything. You see them carrying something. It's not. I had explained to me. It's not the help, right? It's like you have to ask for help before I will. Like I'll walk right beside you and do everything I need to do on my side until the minute you say, "Hey, we some help," or if I offer it up, and hey, if a guy offers you help, I was do something, and you don't say no. Exactly. You, you don't want anything. To say no, uh-huh. and it's right there. I mean, every other word in the frame can do because there's there's the witty banner and the playing back and forth. Right. That's that's kind of a guy girl. That's what we do, right? Right. But the minute that no comes out, or hey, this is how it is, that's it. Right. And the best because I as he he gets older, then he'll have more time with Uncle Marcus Morgan, but. The greatest thing I've learned being married to my wife and, and having the cousins, females, is that there'll be times when we, when someone's telling us something and what she hears and what I hear are two different things. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. I mean, they've just been, that's, that's by, on, by design, right? Yes. And, and then there's, this, there's guys you're out there sometimes, man, you get in a pinch where, where you'll do one thing and, and, and it'll, it won't be the right thing. Then you'll do the complete opposite and that's not the right thing. Right. That's how you know you're dealing with a lady. She can switch it any way she wants, and, and that's just keep you guessing. <laughs> yeah, just make you just keep the chase. That's up. our job. It's our job. Know? Yeah, they that's have to job. do that. That's what makes <laughs> this thing spin. Yeah. <laughs> we can't be too predictable. No, man. Y'all are predictable. We, we can't be the predictable. We ones. are We're so predictable, man. <laughs> and y'all do it instinctually. Like the minute we think, I was like, I think I got that figured out. Swap. <laughs> <laughs> Psych. Psych. Done. It was yeah. It was awesome. I agree with that though. That chivalry's not dead. I mean, we. I raised Hunter for, I mean, he was 13 when Marcus and I got married. And one of the biggest things as a single mom was to make sure that he respected, I mean, not only women, respect everyone, your elders, right. you know, but women especially. Always, I mean, from the time he was, from the time he could walk, he was opening doors. Yes. For women and, um, stand, you know, standing up at the table when, when a woman gets up and leaves and, I just, I think that is so important and people do not pay attention to it anymore. The yes sirs, it, even for girls. I mean, Addie has to do it too, but yes or no respect, sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. Yes, is so huge and it's not being taught to our kids now. And, and I tell you what, anytime my child goes to anyone's house, any of his friends' houses or, you know, my friends' houses, whatever, the first thing they tell me, when I go to pick him up, is your son is so respectful. Mm-hmm. He's so sweet. And I'm like, ah, I'm doing my job. I'm doing <laughs> my the job. The best compliment is a compliment about your kids. Yes. Discipline. Yes. Their manners, yeah. Well, and he tested me. Don't get me wrong. That little boy has had his butt whipped. <laughs> oh, you got to tune him up, man. The boy, but you yeah, have that's, to. That's I mean, thing. I remember with Hunter, I whipped his butt with a wooden spoon so many times until he was about eight I never had to do it again yeah and he just knew I give him a look and he knew but if you don't do that then they don't know what their limits are exactly and that's what I do love about jujitsu for him as well because I take him into jujitsu that mm, coach coach Alex mm, you don't that's why I send him in there you don't play no He, he don't play now the jujitsu that that whole mindset and theory when they become the instructors that's why you, when them boys if you got mustangs you can put them with a mustang or animal or you take them into the mat. Yep, and they're gonna get that aggression out somehow. What what other animal species or human with the boys where they don't get out of line right? Exactly. And as they grow up and they kind of, I mean, mom's got the little wooden spoon and then you know dad's got the big one. Mm-hmm. That big spoon. That's if you that what no one rule in this house. Mom's mom makes the rule. Mm-hmm. 
she gets unhappy, I'll make everything else around here unhappy. He 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 did the he would forget to say yes ma'am, no ma'am sometimes. And I said, I'm gonna pull your ear <laughs> if you do that one more time. He's like, No, you're not. And I was like, Test me. And he went, Yeah. I reached over there and yanked that kid's ear. He was like, ow, you hurt me. So then he got to where he'd go, yes, ma'am. Stretch out. yeah. yeah. And then in the car, he was like, oh, you can't reach back here. And I was like, really? (laughs) While I'm driving. I got Inspector Gadget arm. I can reach. (laughs) Or I can pull this car over and whoop your butt. It's too young to understand what mom does for a living. Yeah, the worst is when they step on the accelerator. Wait till we get home. Speed, man. (laughs) Yep. I've, I've had to pull over before when uh-huh. uh, back when he was little, but um, well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Morgan had to time out. He had to jump out um, early, but we really appreciate you coming and sharing your story. And Thanks. I hope I answered yeah, everything. I yes. Yeah, but there wasn't any questions. I was just sitting here <clears throat> talking. And just getting to know your never quit mentality. Yeah. You're an exceptional lady, so here. there's a lot of people out there that We'll See, and that's crazy. I just don't. Read from your I guidance. just think of myself as me. I don't. I don't think of that's myself. it. You are. You're you. I, I don't. <laughs> don't worry about that. Lady. I'll brag on you all day. <laughs> and it's funny. I always brag on y'all. Oh well, thank you. All right, everybody. You guys know what time it is. It is time for another listener story. You guys wrote them in. We just read them. We respond. We are so grateful that you guys do this. Today's story comes from Daniel. Daniel's story is club-footed but thankful. Let's get into it. Hi there, my name is Daniel Puckett. And first off, thank you guys for your service. You guys are true heroes. Thank you for everything you do and continue to do. Since you guys inspire so many, I thought I would share my story too. Well, I was born club-footed. My big toes were touching my kneecaps and my feet were turned and tucked inward. So as an infant, I had surgery and spent a long time in casts. The doctor said I had a 60% chance of walking and also said I would never run or play sports. It seemed as a baby, I was already signed off to be crippled. Well, I ended up walking and running. Now, I've never been able to run normally or as good as other people, but I still played high school football my freshman year, then moved to two different high schools and played my senior year as well. I also did track and field. You see, even though I'm able to run, it's very difficult and painful. I'm slower than most people, and every step I take is in pain. My left foot is two inches shorter than my right and has almost no upward movement. But God has given me the strength to pursue things I love to do, even if there is pain along the way. I joke and say I have to work twice as hard to achieve half the results, though there is some truth in this. When I graduated high school, I was six foot one and 162 pounds, in really good shape. Well, after 10 years passed, I gained weight, and Christmas of 2018, I weighed 262 pounds, 100 more than high school. It wasn't all muscle either, so I decided no matter how much pain and no matter how hard it was, I was going to get in the best shape of my life. So in exactly one year, I lost 73 pounds and now weigh 189 pounds. I'm also stronger than I've ever been. I've also done three Spartan sprint races. I'm signed up to do three more this year of all three distances. You see, I realize that life comes down to two things that you can control. Focus and effort. God instilled in me that if I keep those two things under control, I can accomplish great goals. Even goals that doctors said I would never be able to accomplish. I can go on about how I grew up in a terrible childhood surrounded by drugs and not having a place to live at times, but that's a story for a different day. I hope maybe someone out there can understand that a minor handicap doesn't have to hold you back. I am thankful I can walk, thankful I can run. Even if it causes pain, I am thankful. 
Daniel. I bet you'd like, I mean, Daniel, I bet you'd like to walk back into that doctor's office. I told you you'd never be able to run and punch him right in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, a lot of remember, I mean, I was like, what, what, what's this dude's, what's this problem? Sounds like a badass to me. <laughs> I mean, he's in there going long numbers, like, well, for slow runner, hey, buddy, come run next to me. You'll see what slow is. I mean, like, he like, kept going on. I was like, Where, where's this tough? I mean, this guy's a badass. Yeah, there's something motivating about being told <laughs> you can't do something. Right? That's like when Goggins was getting interviewed after the bad water, and, or, and they were like, wow, you were in so much pain. Why didn't you just stop? And he was like, why would pain stop you? It made me stop. His feet were bleeding through. I mean, oh, Daniel, like, you running with it. Yeah. You got, I mean, that's the Goggins mentality. It's the Goggins rule. I got news for you. Everyone who's telling you that stuff that you can and can't do, that's because they're looking at you and, and you thought was a, a debilitating injury or a... a yeah, some bitch don't know you. I know. They're, that's them telling you if they had that, they wouldn't be able to run in. <laughs> exactly right. You know what I mean? If they were in your shoes, they wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, that's that's how that works. When someone's looking at you like, man, I, I, I couldn't do that if Hang I was in your f- spot. Well, that's, that's good to know, man, because you ain't in my spot. Say, oh, hey, yeah. Yeah. Back, hey, watch this. Watch this. Yep. Some of us just go. And I, proud of you, bro. Fucking proud of you. Good job gutting, breaking down. Breaking, it's hard breaking, cutting weight too, man. I don't, I, I, how old was he? Did you say how old he was? Uh, no, he said ten years after high school. He was twenty, probably thirty. He would be twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, something dude, like that. With the legs thing, man, he's got that Forrest Gump thing going on. Forrest Gump, badass. Now, nah, Forrest Gump was a spine. Oh yeah, oh, remember that big old back God. brace thing? No, we didn't have no, a back had brace. Leg, he had leg, leg braces. deals on. Did you he have back brace too? No, he's oh. remember your spinal cord is crooked as a question mark. <laughs> Straightened you up real good. Forrest Gump, I watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that was part two. Yeah, I just remember the lawnmower part. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> Forrest Gump, I watched. He had a black brace. Yeah. <laughs> I like that uh, Thanks for sharing, Daniel. Right, awesome. Absolutely, man. Never stop. Never quit. You just keep going. And I, I mean... You ain't got no problems. Dude, sign up for a marathon. Do something. Heck yeah. If you want to share your story, head over to the website. I was website. waiting to hear what you did hard. Hey, man. <laughs> I mean, dude's good. Motivate the heck out of some people here. Head over to the website, teamneverquit.com slash podcast. Share your stories up in the top in the navigation. Love it when you share your stories. I'm sure the other people in this community do, too. Denise is a total badass. Yeah, the women in our family are tough. I mean, that's why we don't talk about them out loud a lot, is because we don't, you know, they're like, man, they're not like they're real tough. I mean, she's, every she's situation, every, oh yeah, a little bit of thing. charged up. Probably everything, like every every situation she was ever in, she could have easily been like, I'm a victim. I mean, she had it all thrown at her. Every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kicking ass and taking names. Yeah, I can't Thanks wait. Thanks for being an awesome lady, cause yeah, we so, love you. Can't wait for her to be done with this next round of cancer yeah yeah i think this is, this is a great episode if you know somebody that's battling cancer specifically or any hard time share the episode with a friend yeah ladies in our family and going through some stuff i think yeah she, everybody should you know, share this with, it's a powerful yeah, episode yeah she went through a lot I mean, a she, lot of ladies are it, going through some stuff yeah. elite positions through and throughout the military and then continue to track even now Hey guys, if you want to be the first one to know when we drop new episodes, you know we do it every single Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any other major podcast player. You can check out the episodes. If you want to follow us on social media, Marcus is at Marcus Latrell, Morgan is at Mojo Latrell, I'm at Andrew Brockenbush, and all of us are at team underscore never quit. Make sure to share the episode with a friend. They're going to love it. Thanks as always for coming back and listening to the show. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Later.